Amen. Well, praise the Lord. How many of you glad to be in God's house today? Come on, let me hear a shout from you this morning. And one of the things that I love about the body of Christ and about the kingdom of God is that we really are a generational people. And I love baby dedications. It was really special, of course, being our grandson this morning, Alan Sherry. What a blessing for us, huh? his grandparents, to be a part of that. Uh, but it's, ble- it's a special blessing anytime we get to see a child dedicated to the Lord because it reminds us of something. It reminds us that the Bible says that our God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What does that mean? It just simply means this. God is a generational God. And that what God is doing in you as an adult, as a parent, or even a grandparent, or maybe even a great-grandparent in the room today, what God is doing in you is not intended to stop with you. As a matter of fact, God will do some things in you that you may feel like don't even benefit you because they're intended to benefit your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren that are coming after you. That's how good our God is. He is a generational father that is looking down the line and recognizing that he's accomplishing things today in our lives that may not be manifested for another 40 years. I was talking to a local pastor, uh, and uh, that actually is down in Florida, and we're glad to have Dr. Ray and uh, Christy Self with us this morning from Orlando, Florida. Amen. They're going to be coming back in May doing a uh, GROW conference, a prophetic conference, and uh, they'll be speaking and sharing with us then, but we're honored to have you guys. But I was talking with their pastor, Pastor Pat in Orlando, and their church is going through some transitions, and they're looking at relocating to another building. And uh, there is a Hispanic church that's looking at their current facility. And as I was talking with Pastor Pat just a few weeks ago, he said the pastor of the church met with him, and they were kind of talking through some details. And then the pastor told him this. He said, Pastor Pat, you don't realize this, and I didn't even realize it. He said, but 40 years ago, when my father, who was the founding pastor of that Hispanic church, 40 years ago, when my father moved to Orlando, they actually came to this property and walked it and prayed over it and asked God to give them this ground. He said that was 40 years ago. And he said now 40 years later, I'm sitting on on this property in a building about to make a deal hopefully with your church to take ownership of something my father 40 years ago settled and established in the spirit. That's pretty powerful. That's amazing when you really think about that. And so I just want you to understand today that as God works in your life, God's not just working for you. God's working for your children. God's working and looking 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 100 years down the road. And he's establishing things in us that's going to benefit our children and our grandchildren. That's why, hear me today, that's why it is so important that we are obedient to God. That's why it's so important that we learn how to say yes to the Lord. One of the things you guys have heard me say many times, I want to live with a yes on my heart. I want to live with a heart that says yes to God. And as the Lord moves and as the Lord corrects and as the Lord directs and as the Lord leads in my life, I want to live with a yes. Why? Because I'm not just living for me. And you're not just living for you. 
There is a generational blessing that God wants to pass down to your children and grandchildren and generations after you. Things that you and I may never see in the natural. But we get the honor, think about this, of establishing establishing it in the spiritual realm. So that one day, like that pastor in Orlando, 40 years later, you can be standing on the ground that your dad prayed over. And say, we're going to take possession of this place because my dad was obedient to the Lord and honored God. And so your life matters. I say that today with with all all humility in my heart. Your life matters. And I hope you embrace that. I hope you embrace the fact of what God is wanting to do in our lives and how significant that is for every generation. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to wrap up a series that we've been on together for the last few weeks entitled Love and Respect. And I want to give a special thank you to Ryan. How many of y'all enjoyed Ryan last week? Amen. And I gave him the easy sermon to preach, despite what he said. Amen. But I do love Ryan. I'm thankful for our church family. I'm thankful that we are, as we just said, a generational church and that our heart is to continually help raise people up to do what God's called them to do. Well, as we wrap up our series this morning, we kind of started out talking about love and respect, and we kind of dedicated the month of February to talking about relationships. And and as we kind of dove into this thing, we really kind of hit heavy on marriage. And and I had some people come up to me, and they said, Well, Pastor Keith, are you going to talk about marriage another week? And, and you know, I understand that, uh, that maybe some of the truths we talked about were not quite as applicable for every person in the room. But I also want you to understand, we said it every week, I believe what we've been talking about, the, the principles and the truths of love and respect are applicable for your life, whether you're married, whether you're single, married, you're widowed, or whether you're divorced. It really doesn't matter what season you're in because the truths of love and respect are really foundational truths from the Word of God that equip us and empower us for relationships as a whole. So we've really had two kind of foundational thoughts that we've talked about every single week. We've opened every message with one thought, and we've closed every message with another thought. And I'm going to begin with both of them today because we're going to drill down into that second thought. And we're going to talk about today just relationships in general. How many know that God actually wants us to have healthy, godly relationships? And if you are married, yes, God wants your marriage to flourish and prosper. But if you're single, God wants you to flourish and prosper in relationships. Because even if you are married, we all have friendships. We all have relationships. We all have extended families. We all have all these little web of relationships around us that connect us to each other that is intended to be life-giving and fruitful and prosperous. That's intended to make us better than we could ever be on our own. Amen? So let me just revisit our first foundational thought, and I'm going to let you guys just bear with me one more time. We said that marriage is God's idea, and that it is holy before the Lord, and that the context for all loving, intimate, sexual relationships between one man and one woman is in the context of marriage. And I just wanted to say that again today. We're not going to linger there, but I wanted to say that again today because I believe, as I've said, that our job as a church is to bring clarity to a culture. And there is a lot of confusion in our culture today around marriage. There's a lot of confusion in our culture today around gender and around identity and sexuality. And I believe it is our job not to condemn the world, not to judge the world, but to love the world enough to share truth. 
to love people enough to recognize that they're on a self-destructive path that's leading them away from the very thing God intended for each and every one of us. And if we don't love them enough to speak truth, if we don't love them enough to step in the way and just begin to encourage them with them from the Word of God, then we have done a great disservice to our community and to our world. So I hope, my prayer, my hope is that through this series as we've kind of talked about some of these things that you have been, that you have hopefully been emboldened, that there's a confidence and a courage in your heart to stand up, speak up, and again, declare truth, not in condemnation or judgment, but in love and affirmation that says, I care about you. And because I care, I'm going to speak the truth in love, not because I want to put you down, but because I want to lift you up to a place that God really desires each and every person to live. So I hope that's happened. I hope that you felt empowered to love people and reach people in a way that maybe you've never felt empowered before. The second thought we want to look at this morning, which has been our wrap-up thought for every week, is that God in His wisdom created a supernatural dependency that requires humility and sacrifice for relationships to thrive. All healthy, godly relationships require humility and sacrifice. You can't have lasting relationships without humility and sacrifice. We're never going to be the people we're called to be without humility and sacrifice. And guess what? God created this amazing system of dependency. Why? Because he realized something. He realized that we need him. Come on, somebody. If I'm going to love my wife as Christ loved the church, and if she's going to respect her husband as under the Lord, then I'm going to need God to help me, and she's going to need God to help her. And if we're going to love and respect each other, then we're going to need the Lord. Because God calls us, right, not to do what comes naturally, but he calls us to live supernaturally, a lifestyle that builds bridges and creates community and deepens relationships so that we can live life Together, We're about to start our small groups in this semester. Let me just encourage you a shameless plug this morning. If you've never connected to a small group, this is your year, this is your moment, and this is your time because we need each other. Amen? So look with me in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Because in Ephesians 5, before God tells husbands to love their wife as Christ loved the church, and before he tells wives to submit to their husbands as unto the Lord, God tells all of us something. Look what he says. He says, and further, submit to one another. Y'all say that with me. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, let me give you the good news, because when we... Read the rest of that chapter as we've been doing over the last few weeks. We recognize God actually tells us what submission is. Submission is love and respect. Submission is not being somebody's slave and then bossing me around and taking advantage of me and using and abusing me. That's not submission. That's not what God's talking about. God defines submission in those next few verses. We've spent the last three weeks talking about it. He says, for husbands, this is what it means for you to submit to your wife. you got to love her like Christ loved the church. And he said, for, for wives, this is what it means for you to submit to your husband. You've got to respect him as unto the Lord. And what God is doing here in Ephesians is he is giving us a pattern. He's given us literally spiritual tools to help us build healthy, godly relationships. Because without love and respect, relationships go south. 
Without love and respect, relationships can sour very quickly. And before we know it, what was once a healthy friendship or a healthy relationship or even a healthy community of people, all of a sudden, without love and without, without respect, that thing turns into something that many times becomes toxic. It definitely becomes unhealthy. And if you think about the fact that our lives were intended to be created and lived in community, then we've got to learn, how do I, how do I cultivate life-giving relationships? How do I cultivate a life that brings glory and honor to God? How do I build real friendships with people? How do I strengthen my family? How do I strengthen my relationships with believers in the local church? How do I build relationships with people that don't know God, that aren't believers and are far from Christ? How do I do that? Well, the Bible tells us how. Submit to one another. And how do I submit? Through love and respect. Every person on planet earth needs and desires love and respect. And you and I can all testify to the fact that anytime you get in a relationship where there is not love and there is not respect, it typically doesn't take long for that relationship to become toxic, to become unhealthy, and many times those relationships end. Because if there's not love and respect, then there is not a pipeline of life, so to speak, that allows us to thrive and get closer and closer together. So look at that first point. So the key to all healthy, growing relationships is submission. Submission being love and respect. The key to all healthy, growing relationships is submission, not control. Think about that. It's submission, not control. Why? Because many people, listen to this statement, many people struggle to develop healthy relationships because they are afraid. And fear creates control. We're going to talk in just a minute about three specific things I think that all of us probably fear in the area of relationships. And as we talk through it in just a minute, you're going to understand, you're going to probably nod your head yes to say, you're right, Pastor Keith, man, these are, these are real fears. These are legitimate things that we all have to deal with. Why? Because we recognize that relationships are challenging. Can I get an amen? <laughs> And they require effort and they require work, but they are worth it. Can I get an amen? So we begin to understand. Here's, here's what happens. Because we are afraid, we allow fear to create control. Because we're afraid of being hurt, we allow fear to create control. I want you to look with me in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 25 says this. It says, the fear of man brings a snare. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man brings a snare. What happens when I operate out of fear in the context of relationship? If I'm afraid of being hurt by other people, guess what? I really only have two options. I can live in isolation and just avoid people. Or I can live in a place of manipulation where I try to control people. And both of those scenarios are ungodly and unhealthy. Why? Because if I live in isolation, I'm actually disconnecting from the body of Christ. I'm disconnecting from my natural, my spiritual family. I'm disconnecting from the very thing God says that he uses to help us fully become what he's called us to be. 
So if I live in isolation, I'm missing the mark. I'm coming short of the glory of God. It's not God's will for me. And I can allow fear if I'm not careful. The fear of being hurt, the fear of what people are going to say, the fear of what people are going to do cause me to live in isolation. I begin to build walls. Or I can allow fear to cause me to begin to manipulate. Because here's what happens when you're trying to guard a hurt. And let me, let me just say this to you today. The most controlling person you know has an unhealed hurt in their heart. When people control other people, it's not typically because they're evil or wicked people. It's because they've been hurt and they're afraid. They're afraid of reliving that pain. They're afraid that somebody else is going to hurt them the way that person hurt them. They're afraid they're going to have to walk through that thing that they walked through before. And they can't even in their furthest imagination figure, how can I even endure it? I barely endured it the first time. How can I endure it another time? And so all of a sudden what happens is we then begin to either isolate or manipulate. We start controlling people and we start putting restraints on people. We stop submitting by loving and respecting and we start controlling and manipulating but here's the lie of the enemy. The lie of the enemy is that if I can control you, I can protect me. But that doesn't work. <laughs> because the more I control you, the more you don't want to be with me. We've all been in controlling relationships, and we've all <laughs> backed away. <laughs> the Bible says the fear of man is a snare. That word snare is interesting. It just means a trap. And when you think about a trap, you think about something that appears to be something, but it's really something else. And as I was thinking about a trap, I, I, I'm just going to tell you, I'm, I'm kind of a little old school in this. I, and if this offends you, I'm really sorry. But I like the old school mouse traps. I mean, I want to know that joker's dead. <laughs> and if that offends you, I'm really sorry. So just please listen to the rest of this message. Don't let me drive you away. But I learned a long time ago that if I'm going to put out a mousetrap, i got to put some bait on that trap. And, and we used to use cheese, and then I found out, Brother Curtis will love this, peanut butter works great. I mean, who doesn't love peanut butter? <laughs> but this is what I learned. I learned if I'm going to bait that trap, if I'm going to bait that snare, then I'm going to have to put something on there that looks appealing. It has to have, see, a bait or a trap always has a promise of life, but it really brings death. And that's what the fear of man has. The fear of man has a promise of life. You won't be hurt anymore. Just isolate yourself or just manipulate everybody, and you won't be hurt anymore. You won't have to feel that anymore. And, and the promise is that you can avoid pain. If you control everybody and if you control everything, you can appoint, avoid painful relationships because nobody's ever going to get close enough to hurt you. But that's not true. They will hurt you. And what was intended you thought to bring life becomes death. And either you find yourself being broken and hurting because people are now lashing out against you or else people are walking away from you or you find yourself living in isolation where nobody even gets close anyway because I built all these walls. And the truth is God loves us so much that he wants to free our souls from that trap of the enemy. The flip of that verse says the fear of man is a snare but whoever trusts in the Lord will be safe. 
There is a safety net in God. When we begin to do relationships God's way, He creates a safety net. There's a safe place, a safe way to do relationships. It's called love and respect. Now, now I want you to look at this next point because I want to be as clear as I can be with us today. So there is no guarantee. There's no guarantee that you will not be hurt, that you will not be rejected, or that you will not be abandoned. That's a real thing, guys. And the truth is, as long as you interact with people, you're subject to being hurt, you're subject to being rejected, and you're subject to being abandoned. And if you look back at that last point, which all you note takers are going to say, Pastor Keith, you skipped one. <laughs> You'll recognize that really is our three fears. Look at that last point. We are afraid. What are we afraid of? We are afraid of being hurt. We are afraid of being known. I'm going to talk about that a little bit in just a second. And then we're afraid of being abandoned. You know why we're afraid of being hurt? Because we've all been hurt. <laughs> we've been betrayed. We've been rejected. We've been wounded. By people. We've all been hurt. And so we're all kind of a little bit gun-shy of relationships because we've all been hurt by people. And there's no guarantee you won't be hurt. And we are afraid of being known. What do I mean by that? We're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid that if people really know us for who we are, if they really see us for who they are, who we are, they won't accept us. They won't love us. They won't invite us into their lives. And so you know what happens? This happens all the time in our world. Social media has magnified it. We pretend. We pretend to be something we're not. The Bible calls it hypocrisy. It means to wear a mask. And so when we're this, this group of people, we act this way. And when we're with this group of people, we act this way. And when we're with this group of people, we act this way. Why? Because we're afraid. We're afraid that if people really know us for who we are, they won't accept us. If they really see us for who we are, they won't embrace us. So I've got to pretend. I've got to pretend to be what I think they want me to be. And here's what's crazy about that. When you're pretending to be something you're not in order to build relationship and friendship with other people, you're actually the manipulator. You're manipulating them and controlling them, trying to deceive them into a relationship with you. And guess what? The friendship they build with you ain't a real friendship. Why? Because that's not the real you. It's a facade. It's a social media post of our perfect family. I mean, we're going to have some really good pictures up here in a little while. And we're all going to look really cool. I mean, Samantha's going to put that on Facebook, and everybody's going to say, oh, look at that beautiful family, and they hadn't seen us fight and fuss and argue, and they hadn't seen the strife and, and the challenges and the difficulties because we all got it. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we, we will allow the fear of rejection to cause us to pretend to be something we're not. And then the last one is a fear of abandonment. The fear of abandonment that people are just going to walk out of our lives. That people are just going to one day be our friend and then they're not our friend. They're going to be in our lives and then they're not in our lives. That fear of abandonment is a real thing. 
I was talking with some pastors. They had just been pastoring for a couple of years, and I was sitting with them in their living room uh, last year, and I asked a question to the wife. I said, what's been your greatest challenge as a pastor's wife? And you know what she said? I mean, she didn't even hesitate. Immediately, she said, when people leave the church, that's the hardest thing. She said, I feel so rejected. I feel so hurt. She said, I know something probably happened, but when I reach out to them, they don't tell me anything. They just leave. And they act like everything's okay, and they even spiritualize it and say, God told them to leave. But I know they got mad. They got hurt. Something happened. But they don't even tell us. And it hurts. And we all know that to be true. When people walk out of your life, one day they're in your corner, the next day you can't even find them. And so all of those things, that fear of being hurt, that fear of being rejected, that fear of being abandoned, those are all real, real fears. But look at that next point again. So the guarantee is this. There is no guarantee that you won't be hurt. And there is no guarantee that you won't be rejected. And there is no guarantee that you won't be abandoned. But I I can give you a guarantee. Listen to this. Here's the guarantee. If you live your life out of fear, you are guaranteed to have shallow, empty relationships. If you love people and respect people, and purposely pursue relationships with people, you're going to get hurt, you're going to get abandoned, you're going to get rejected. Welcome to life. But if you allow fear to control your life, I can guarantee you of one thing. This is what I can guarantee you of. You're going to have empty, shallow relationships. It's not even going to be real. There's going to be no depth, no community, no intimacy. Because when you live out of fear, you either live in isolation or manipulation. And isolation and manipulation are relationship killers, not life givers. And so the only guarantee there is, is that I will get hurt, (laughs) I will get rejected, and I will get abandoned. But let me just say to you today, it's worth it. It's worth it. Why? Because, Because... Life-giving relationships really require two things. It requires vulnerability and it requires faith. Faith seems really cool. Vulnerability, not so cool. (laughs) See, because in order to have real life-giving relationships, you have to be vulnerable. you got to be real. The Bible says we're to love each other with genuine love and affection. Genuine love and affection. Now, now here, here's, here's the good news. Loving people with genuine love and affection and showing love and respect to people doesn't mean I have to agree with everybody. I don't have to agree with you to have a relationship with you. As a matter of fact, I have a lot of relationships with a lot of people that I don't agree with the way they're living their lives. But I value their life. And I value the relationship that I have with them. And I desire good for them. So you know what I can do? I can show them love and respect. I don't have to condone their choices. I don't have to condone their decisions. I don't have to applaud their sin. But I can still show them love, and I can still show them respect. Do you realize that every person on planet Earth really desires those things? And you and I should really be giving that to everybody. When you go to Walmart and meet the clerk that you may never meet again, she deserves love and respect. When you meet the stranger on the street, when you're walking down the, on, on, walking down the road, that person deserves love and respect. And God, in his wisdom, gave us these amazing resources, gave us these tools to show us how to live our lives so we can have fruitful, life-giving relationships. Now, let me just say this to you. This doesn't mean that we foolishly 
run into relationships. This doesn't mean that we foolishly invite people into our life that may not need to be in our lives. And it doesn't mean that everybody has equal access to your life. Let me me give a good example. Uh, The Lord just reminded me this morning of Jesus. He's kind of the standard, right? (laughs) When you think about Jesus, Jesus had a lot of relationships. And and the Lord just highlighted a couple of relationships to me this morning. He said, Keith, think about Jesus. He had a relationship with the multitudes. That was a bunch of lost, broken people. How many know we're supposed to be a friend of sinners like Jesus? He had, he had a relationship with the multitudes. That was lost, broken people. But then the Bible tells us he had this relationship with these 72 people, these 72 disciples that he sent out. And then he had a relationship with 12 disciples that he pulled near. And then he had a relationship with three of those 12 that he pulled real close. So think about that for just a second. Jesus had Different levels of relationship. Why? Because not everybody gets equal access to your life. And if you don't discern that, then you foolishly just bring everybody in and they're going to stomp on your heart and you're going to probably die young. (laughs) Maybe not physically, but emotionally. You'll become become a walking dead man. And the realization is if you don't have that wisdom, right, you've got to have that discernment. Listen to what the Bible says here in Proverbs 18, 24. A man... A man who has friends, the Bible says, must himself be friendly, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So if we're going to have friends, we've got to be friendly. But listen to what Proverbs 13 says. It says, but he who walks with wise men will be wise. But the companion of fools will be what? Let me give you a little clue. Somebody that doesn't love and respect God is going to have a hard time loving and respecting you. Now, again, that doesn't mean we can't be in relationship with people that don't know God because we're supposed to be friends to people that don't know Jesus because how are people that don't know Jesus going to come to know Jesus if we don't befriend them? But it means that we understand that there are levels of access that we give into our life and not everybody has the same access to your inner heart. Not everybody has the same access to your inner circle. Not everybody gets to be that three. And I began to think about that. I thought about how that Jesus had the multitudes that he ministered to people and he loved people and he respected people and he cared about people and he wanted to help people. But then out of the multitude, he had 72. And out of the 72, he had 12. And out of the 12, he had three. And that each level represented a level of access that those individuals had into his life. And the multitude couldn't have the same access that the three had. And the 72 didn't have the same access that the 12 had. And the 12 didn't have the same access as the three had. Why? Because Jesus understood, hey, there's a level of relationship that I can be in. And I can be in relationship with a lot of people. But there's probably only a few people that I can let into that inner circle of my life. And that doesn't make you bad, evil, or wicked. It makes you wise and discerning to recognize there are levels of relationship. Because if you become a companion of fools, guess what? You will be destroyed. So you've got to be discerning enough to recognize that if I want to have friends, I've got to be friendly. But i also got to recognize there are levels of relationship based on the wisdom and truth of God. Now here's the good news. How I treat them doesn't change. I treat everybody, whether you're a multitude of 72, a 12, or a 3, I treat everybody with love and respect. Because love and respect builds the bridge that allows me to speak into those people's lives. That allows me to cultivate that relationship. That allows me to go into different aspects and regions of life. And when, when the love of God fills your heart, it's amazing how much you really love people and you want to connect with people. 
But we got to be wise enough to recognize those are those levels that define our lives. So, look at that last point. With love and respect, we can fight for healthy, life-giving relationships. And let me just stop there and say this. you got to fight for them. Let me tell you why you got to fight for healthy, godly relationships. you got to fight more for them because there's a real devil <laughs> that wants to still kill and destroy. He wants to mess up your marriage. He wants to mess up your family. He wants to mess up your friendships. He wants to mess up your relationships on your job. He wants to mess up your relationships in the church. He wants you to be isolated and alone, separated and disconnected from other people. And there's a real spiritual, supernatural battle that happens. Satan attacks our relationships. He wants to destroy them. And so we have to fight. We have to fight for healthy, godly relationships. How do I do it? I use the weapons God gave me, love and respect. And through love and respect, I can fight for healthy, godly relationships. Look at the last part of that statement. We're going to read one closing scripture. Remember that it's not what we do naturally, but it's what we do intentionally that changes things. If you just show love and respect as it comes naturally, then your relationships will be very limited. Because I don't always naturally show love and respect. The truth is, let's just be honest here today, we can all be very unloving and we can all be very disrespectful to the people we love. Right? You can be the most unloving and the most disrespectful with the people you care about more than anybody else on the planet. And if you don't fight for those relationships, then I want you to hear this. You'll allow a bad day to destroy what was intended to be a lifelong relationship. You'll allow a bad day to destroy what was intended to be a lifelong relationship. Because the truth is, again, this is a good place to be honest. We're in church. We've all had bad days. And we've all, in those bad days, been unloving and disrespectful to the people we love. The people we genuinely care about. And if we are not wise and discerning enough to recognize, I've got to fight for those relationships, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a family relationship, whether it's friendships, whether it's church relationships, I got to be wise and discerning enough to know I got to fight for them. How do I fight for them? With love and respect. Do you remember we were learning that when a married couple gets on that crazy cycle, y'all remember that? When he acts unloving, she acts disrespectful. When she acts disrespectful, he acts unloving. And we said that thing can spin really fast. And we said, how do we break it? Here's how we break it. The mature one. The mature one has to break the cycle and say, you know what? I'm going to treat you with love and respect even when you're not treating me with love and respect. Now, again, th this is not talking about abuse. This is not talking about letting people run over you and, and beat you down. We're not talking about any of those things. We're just talking about in our regular, normal relationships, those crazy moments where life begins to spin. Somebody has to be the mature one and break the cycle. 
And somebody has to say, I'm going to stop being disrespectful and I'm going to stop being unloving and I'm going to start allowing love and respect to be the weapons of warfare that I use to fight for our relationship. James chapter 4, verse 7, a great scripture. I've, I've never seen this scripture in this context. So look what the Bible says. It says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Now, the context of scripture, he is not talking about marriage relationships. He's not even really talking about relationships. He's talking about our relationship with God and how do we get victory over the enemy. But the Holy Spirit showed me something. He said, Keith, take that principle and apply it to relationships. And this is how he explained it to me. He said, Keith, when you submit to God, how do I submit to God? By doing relationships God's way. And how is God's way of doing relationships? Through love and respect. He said, so when you intentionally, that's submission, by the way. I heard a very wise man one time says, you've never submitted until you disagreed. Submission is not what comes naturally. Submission is what comes intentionally. I intentionally am going to show love and respect to the people in my life. And when I do that, listen to what the Lord said. He said, when you submit to God, guess what? God says, I'll do what you can't do. He said, and then you resist the devil, he will flee from you. When I submit to God through love and respect, then I can resist the devil and he will flee. And this is what he said. He said, Keith, he said, think about how many, how many families, extended families. Just think about our families. Think about your family, your extended family. Think about your coworkers. Think about church relationships. He said, how many families and friendships have demonic strongholds that have been established in those relationships? And I'm, I'm going to give you a little definition. This is how he defined it to me. He said, you know there's a demonic stronghold when there's constant tension when those two people get around. They really love each other. <laughs> but they don't act loving and respectful when they get together. They really care about each other, but they don't really show that care when they get together. And all of a sudden, they walk in the same room, and there's just a tension. And this is what the Lord said. He said, Keith, when that happens, he said, this is no longer about a relationship issue. This is about a spiritual stronghold that's been established. And then this is what he said. He said, so when you submit to God, and you begin to show that person love and respect... What begins to happen is that stronghold begins to be broken. Again, this is not even a relationship thing. This is now a spiritual thing. And all of a sudden, that stronghold begins to be broken. That stronghold begins to be broken. That stronghold begins to be broken. And before you know it, the devil has to flee. And all of a sudden, we just salvaged and redeemed a relationship that God said was worthy of redemption. Now, is that easy? Absolutely not. Is it fun? Absolutely not. Is it difficult? Absolutely. But is it doable? Without a shadow of a doubt. Why? Because we need God. God created a supernatural system that requires dependency on Him. And if I will do what God says to do, you know what He'll do? He'll break the stronghold. He'll drive the enemy out of that relationship, and all of a sudden, we can begin to cultivate something that God says has value. And I don't know about you, I really do want that. And I hope that we want it enough to fight for it. Not fight against the person, but fight the spiritual battle that's trying to create 
that stronghold in our lives. So I want us just to bow our heads today. I'm going to ask our prayer team if they would to go ahead and come to the front. We're going to get ready in just a moment. We're going to go into our last song of worship. And in just a minute, we're going to open the altar. This is what I want to challenge you with before we even get there. Maybe you're here today and maybe you realize, man, maybe you realize there, there is a stronghold in some relationships in your life. And today, you just want to, you just want to begin to agree together in prayer that God would break that. That God would break that stronghold of the enemy and that he would allow you to be that person that begins to show love and respect. I'm just going to tell you, you're going to need God. It ain't going to happen without him. You're a pretty cool person, but you're not that cool. You're going to need him. And maybe, maybe you want to come in just a minute and you just want somebody to pray with you and say, I want to be that person that breaks that stronghold. I want to be that mature one. Maybe you recognize there's a hurt in your life. And maybe you realize that there's been isolation or maybe there's been manipulation because you've got a wound that hasn't been healed. I'm just going to tell you, God's the healer of the broken heart. He can heal that hurt in you. Maybe you just realize that, man, you value the people that are in your life. And maybe you just want to come and pray for your family to be stronger and better than it's ever been before just a moment as we go into the last song of worship we're going to open the altar and our prayer teams are here to pray with you for any of those reasons or any other reason that you may want prayer but before we do that I want to just ask one question maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're watching online and you realize something you realize Pastor Keith you're talking about all these relationships with people and all this stuff but I realized this morning I don't have a relationship with God I don't even know Jesus I don't know him maybe you know about him but you really don't know him. In your heart of hearts, you know that you don't know him. I love what John chapter 17, verse 3 says. Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Eternal life is not about religion. Eternal life is about a relationship with God. And if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, I don't really have a relationship with God, but I'd like to meet Jesus today. I'd like to meet God. I really want to have a relationship with him. Here's what the Bible says it takes. You've got to acknowledge and recognize that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior. And you've got to believe in your heart, the Bible says, that He died on the cross and that He rose again on the third day. And that if you will, by faith, confess Him as your Lord, He will come into your life. He will forgive you of your sins. He will reunite you with the Father, and you can begin a relationship with God today. That's the most amazing thing you'll ever know. So if that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, and you're saying, Pastor Keith, I want that relationship today, I want you just to slip your hand up. Just a simple act of faith. Just slip your hand up all over this building and say, today, Pastor Keith, I want to have a relationship with God. If you're watching online, you can type in the chat box. You can hit that hand emoji. But if that's you right now, just raise your hand. Today, Pastor Keith, I want to have that relationship with God. I want to trust Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. We're going to just pray together. I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer with me. Let's say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to know you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family today. Man, God loves you, and he is welcoming you into his family. So let's do this today. Let's stand to our feet this morning. We're going to go into our final song of worship. If you need prayer for any reason, our prayer teams are here. Let's worship together, and let's minister to one another through prayer as we close out with this final song. i 